Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. What do you think of the last few months, like this whole experience? It's been really wild. Yeah, I, I really didn't even think that I was ready to be married, but I mostly just kind of thought it would be fun to be on a reality show. You didn't feel ready to be married. You I guess it wasn't really the number one driving force, okay. getting married. <laughs> Being married to someone I've only known for a couple months and then being confronted with the fact that much of the reason she applied to be part of Married at First Sight is that she just wanted this new and crazy experience of being on a reality show. Naturally, it makes me wonder a little bit what's going to happen once time comes for the cameras to disappear. to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, Married at First Sight Edition. We are at almost the season finale. It's next week. Now, I think that they use the term season finale loosely because then they do like, what, one or two kind of, um, you know, what's happened since decision day type uh, situations, uh, episodes. So, is it technically the season finale? Yeah, it's the end of the regular seasons, but we do have, I think, two or maybe just one, like, let's see what they're up to now. But I guess next week is decision day, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm actually surprised that given the pandemic and the fact that they did have, what, like two months more of footage than they did... In other seasons, I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't 
decide to just extend the season a little bit more to get more footage because really like they can't possibly be recording another season at this point right or maybe they can depending on the city but yeah I'm just a little bit surprised we didn't even get usually we get two days two episodes out of the vacation and we didn't even get that so I don't know maybe Lifetime just didn't want to spend the coin but anyway let's talk about this episode I saw a couple people say that they thought the episode was a little bit dry a little bit boring I liked it I actually thought it was really interesting and I I liked seeing how things may have changed for some couples how it became more apparent to me apparent to me how people were feeling going into decision day things that I wasn't necessarily expecting things that I was I'm I'm really into it so let's start with Woody and Amani. So they show everybody like packing up and going home from New Orleans. Everybody's like in their car, dancing, laughing, having fun, merry making. Everyone, of course, except for Henry and Christina, <laughs> which is like crickets, straight up crickets. Now, before I get into the other couples, I just want to say like the end of the episode was just a you know, like one of the couples leaves the apartment before decision day because they sleep alone the day before or the night before. Um, and most of that was boring. So if I don't talk about somebody leaving at the end of my couple recap, it's basically just because it was the same, like, oh, I have a lot of decisions to make. I wonder what's going to happen. Like boring run-of-the-mill stuff so the only people I think there were just a couple people that I spoke about that said anything that I thought was like kind of interesting so I guess we should start with Woody and Amani. they were you know I like to go from least interesting to most interesting and you know that I stay on them forever but you know what we all know what's happening with them right so it's smooth sailing so when they get back from their trip Amani initially said that, you know, going into this, I was 50-50. And she's like, how into it were you? And Woody said he was about 70 or 80. So then Amani asked what they can do to maintain where they're at now, because they're both about 90%, 100%. And Woody says, you know, I'm just going to spend the week that we have left before decision day seeing if your shit stinks or not. And then we get this whole conversation of like, well, your shit doesn't sink all the time, just sometimes. I mean, I think they're speaking, um, you know, whatever the word is. <laughs> I'm going through it. As we get closer and closer to election day, the more my brain is scrambled. So you guys are just going to have to bear with me. I'm I'm hanging by a thread here. So yeah, back and forth. I'm like, well, your shit doesn't sink all the time. Yeah, it does. No, but not all the time. Like, I'm just like, you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, um, Amani then says she doesn't know what that means. I didn't really know what it mean- meant either, but he was trying. You know, if, if Woody has nothing else, it's his ability to put forth effort. And for that, I'm internally grateful. 
Um, so then we have the, the rest of the episode is like couples, friends come over or family members come over and they talk about like what they're concerned about leading up to decision day, if they have concerns or not. And so Amani's friend, uh, I think her name is Nicole comes over and she says, you know, Amani's like, honestly, there's really nothing that I don't feel confident about going into decision day. And she says, and Nicole was like, okay, well, the last time I talked to you, Woody said that he, you told me that Woody told me he loved you and that you weren't really there yet. And she's like, yeah, well, I guess I may have said it back or whatever. <laughs> and Amani says like her favorite part of, cause Nicole asked like, Woody, what's your favorite part of being married? And she's like, just like being married, meaning like the little thing. She's like, I love that he you know, wants to watch TV with me and we're really building up our friendship relationship and we're growing as best friends. And I just like those little things about our relationship. She's really like, you can tell that she feels very confident. You can tell she feels very relaxed and she seems very happy. And you know what? If, if I want anybody on the show to be happy, it's Imani. You know, I just like, Moni, if you're hearing this, like DM me after the show. I know you can't, you know, you got to keep your Instagram on the low, but like, let's kick it. I want to be friends. And I think we can be. <laughs> um. So what happens after that? Woody goes over to his grandma's house and they have drinks out on the porch and she you know, she's all in. Grandma, I think her name is Yvonne, is all in on the situation. She, um, you know, basically is like, Woody initially says, you know, the hardest thing about this whole situation was I thought I was going to be, have a hard time transitioning into, like, out of my single life. But actually, now that I'm doing this and I'm in it and I'm happy, like, being single is boring and I'm kind of like regretting the fact that I wasted all this time being single when I could have been married. And like I said, Yvonne is super happy. Woody's wearing a shirt that says, um, black, happy and married. She's totally into it. She thinks that Woody seems like a changed man. Like he's changed for the better. And that, yeah, she's just, like, really happy with the man that he's become. She really likes Imani. And Woody starts asking for, you know, advice. Like, you were married to my grandpa for, you know, decades. What advice do you have to, you know, help with a good relationship? And it's interesting that Imani said to Nicole the one thing that I may or may not have issue with is the fact that like Woody doesn't necessarily pay attention all the time. And it's not like, well, Nicole's like, is it that he's just not listening to you or what is it? She's like, sometimes it's that he's not listening to me, but other times it's just, he is listening, but he's not seeking clarity. So he's just letting me say things, but he's not fully absorbing what it is that I'm saying. So then we get the flashback, thank God, to that burger, burka conversation where she says, you just want to eat me up like, 
no, she said, you would be attracted to me if I, even if I was wearing a burqa. And he's like, oh yeah, we'll put the cheese and the lettuce and tomatoes and I'll eat you. And because he thought she said burger and he was like, I'm just going with it. <laughs> so there seemed to have been a few example or a few times where Amani has alluded and even Woody has made promises to Amani about like, I will pay attention to you. I will work on listening more and we haven't really seen it. Like the burger, burger, burger thing doesn't, you know, that was just like a funny moment. It seems like there were more serious things going on. Like, I don't think Amani would complain about him mishearing her, but so Woody is asking his grandma, like what it is that he should, you know, make notice of and be conscious of. And she's like, just pay attention. Men are not good about paying attention. They're not good about listening. So it was just interesting that the thing that Amani said she had a little bit of an issue with was the one thing that his grandma said that he should work on. Um. So what happens after that? I mean, he's just like, you know, you also need to be consistent and give respect and if you're able to do those things, it makes your relationship really easy. Like there's really, you know, <laughs> nothing to complain about. So Woody says, you know, the thing about respect is that Amani has always been really respectful of me and meeting where I'm at. And I really appreciate the fact that she does that. And, so then they go to dinner. They both look super cute. Amani's in this beautiful dress. She looks so good. Her hair looks so pretty. And they're just having like their nice final dinner before decision day. And Woody tells her, well, first of all, <laughs> Woody tells her, you know, I was really, I was looking for a wife and I found a soulmate. They ordered, well, Amani it's important to notice Amani orders some oysters and she only gets three of them and Woody eats all of them. And so she is like, you know what? Dinner's canceled, bitch. Why did you sit there and eat all my oysters? And you need to just pack your shit up. Like I'm sick of this. And they're just like laughing and having a good time. And then Woody is like, oh. he's like, you know what? I've loved you this whole time. And I've grown as a person with your help and I didn't believe in love before, but now I feel like we have this kind of, the same kind of love that my grandparents have. And he starts to get choked up and it's just like, oh, so, so sweet. He has to like stop himself to get composure. And Amani is like, that's really sweet. But also, like, why did you sign up for the experiment if you didn't believe in love? And he was like, I knew what I wanted. I just didn't think it was possible. And he found it. I love that. (laughs) So they go to bed together their last night before decision day. And Imani's like, honestly, I'm kind of excited to sleep away from you for a night. She's like, I get to have a nice rest. I don't have to sleeping up because anybody is snoring and he was like well I can just go right now she's like no you'll be back they always come back (laughs) um and then she was like okay what is it that you think you know they're not having the typical conversation of like 
what can I do to make you stay? Any sort of last ditch effort can I make? She asks him, we're in such a good space. What do you think could happen, excuse me, in the final hour that would make you say no? And he says, well, she asks, sorry. She asks him, what do you think that I would make me say no? What would you, what do you think that Amani would say no to? And he says, just like maybe my lack of listening. And she's like, well, do you think that that's a good enough reason for me to say no to you? And he was like, honestly, I'd probably just get pissed. Probably flip over a couch. <laughs> He's like, at that point, I probably wouldn't want to listen to you at all. And to me, it was funny. <laughs> But just to be clear, to Imani, she did not think that was funny and she found it to be a red flag. I don't think this is going to be like some sort of situation changing thing. But she says, you know, like I saw a different side of him. But to me, it made sense. Like, is it mature? No. But does it make sense in the terms of like, what he was saying is like, we got this far and I'm thinking we're in good standing with one another. And if you're going to tell me at the last minute, at the 11th hour, (laughs) that you want to get a divorce because I don't listen to you, like, I'm really not going to listen to you then and I'm going to be pissed. I I understood it from the point of, like, you really would have, like, been pulling the rug out from under me and I really, like, I would have felt some type of way about that. And I get it. But I also get the, like, she was like, damn, that's not really a good look for you. Anyway, but that's the end of them. I mean, I think they tease at the end for the preview of next episode where Amani says at the very end, like, I'm going, I want a divorce. And clear, like, come on, y'all. You know she didn't ask for no divorce. So let's move on. All right, so let's move on to Olivia and Brett. Yeah, that's right. We had to watch a segment on Olivia and Brett. (laughs) Thanks a lot. (laughs) But thankfully, Brett's friend came through with the read of a lifetime. I died. So Brett goes first. He meets up with his friend. They have drinks or whatever. And he says that the stress of the pandemic did highlight their issues. But he thinks that they would have broken up anyway. Just like fast-tracked their situation. Then Olivia tells her friend Amber, like, like, so apparently they had not told anybody, we're, we're allegedly, that they had broken up until this scene. So Olivia tells her friend Amber, like, you know, it's disappointing, but it is what it is. Amber asks if, she's like, you know, I know that Brett had a lot of his faults, but is, do you think that there's anything that you could have done to improve the situation and she says she points out her lack of intimacy and says that it was kind of like a vicious cycle like she he wanted to be physical she didn't and then he was withholding because he wasn't getting what he needed from her physically and so that she in turn was not getting what she needed from him emotionally and that made her less you know, like, want to be with him physically less. Does that make sense? (laughs) 
they both weren't getting what they wanted. They were both withholding because of it. And it just became this thing of like, I'm not getting what I want. So I'm not going to give you what you want. And I'm not going to give you what you want because you're not giving me what I want. So, um, Brett's friend says, you know, Brett is the kind of guy who doesn't think that he's ever wrong. And it's very hard to steer him in the other direction. Meaning this dude is a total dick bag. He is hardline. He's like, basically everything that we've seen about Brett in terms of like, you know, his issue. Well, yeah, his issues with her, um, you know, her finances and her budgeting and her renting a home instead of buying one. He's bringing up these issues and basically Brett's friend is like, these are things that you, a normal person probably could have worked through, but Brett is just so stubborn that he wasn't capable of seeing that maybe he wasn't a hundred percent right all of the time. And so his friend asked, like, what did you learn from the process? And Brett is like, well, I learned a lot about TV production and pandemics. And he's like, did you learn anything about relationships? He's like, no, no. I learned that, like, you know, maybe things that I was a little bit more negotiable about, I'm completely non-negotiable about. He's like, well, about kids? And he's like, yeah, like, totally. And it's like, okay, Olivia was not giving you a hard time about having kids. She was on the fence. But I think if they had a good relationship, she would have been way more into the idea of having kids with him. I think that 100%. And y'all know that I have very strong feelings about kids and meaning to be on the same page as that. And I think... What she had been trying to say this whole time was like, I would have been open to it if you had given me a relationship that I felt safe in. (laughs) And I felt like you would be a good father and a good partner. I would have given you kids. I would have had no problem with that. As long as I was able to like do the things that I wanted to do before I got pregnant. Fair. But I, on the other hand, and I'm not giving Brett any credit for it. I'm just saying, you know, in general... I could see how it's not unfair to say that that might not be enough for somebody because you could end up waiting potentially and then they, you know, who knows how long you could wait for them to fulfill their goals and go on that trip and experience that thing. It's also fair to say, like, I don't know how long that is going to take for you. And I'm not comfortable with waiting. Okay? Okay. So, then Olivia's friend is like, well, what? how would you feel if Brett came to you, laid it all on the line, said everything that you wanted him to say, and wanted to take a stab at making it work again? And she was like, well, I would listen I would, I would listen to that. And Brett's just a dick. Brett's friend basically, it starts raining. So they go inside to the bar that they were eating at. And Brett's friend's like, basically, Brett's a dickwad. He didn't use that word, but he may as well have. And 
I hoped that Brett would think outside of himself and, but honestly, like he's had difficulties with me and with our friends and how in the past he's not really thought about how his actions affect other people. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. That's very telling. Like, I need to know the tea on what happened with his friend and with his friend group. Like, what has Brett been going through? So another great question is, how did the expert, how did he get through? <laughs> how did he get through this show? How did that, how is that possible? Because from minute one, all of us were like, oh, this man has no business being in a relationship period certainly not being married who was screening these people i just think it's like okay i understand that like people want drama and ratings and want to make good tv but it, at some point it's a little gross to put somebody who like olivia really wanted to do this and she really wanted to go through the experiment and i think she tried as much as she could at some point it's really unfair to partner somebody up with a person who it's very obvious that he has no business trying to be in a relationship. Like he shouldn't even be allowed to date. Like, can we get somebody to ban him from Tinder and Bumble and fucking egg meat squirrel, coffee makes bagel, <laughs> whatever the fuck get him banned from grinder. I don't care. He has no, like, Go to therapy, bitch. Every time he opens a dating app, it should redirect him to a local therapist. And that's it. Or jail. Call <laughs> jail or therapy. Those are your options, Brett. I'm sick of him. I'm really, really sick of him. He is so massively insecure and the way that he manifests his insecurity is by being an asshole. And it's not fair. <laughs> like, it's not fair to me to have to even watch him. It's doubly not fair to Olivia to have to experience and live in an apartment with that man. I just think, like, production needs to be a little bit, like, don't make it. I don't even care that it's obvious. I care that it's like not fair to like at least pair him up with somebody who seems equally disinterested in being in a relationship. 
You know, don't do it to poor Olivia. Who wanted this? Anyway, we end their segment by Brad's friend being like, oh, do you think you're going to get back on the apps? Do you think you're going to start dating again? He's like, well, yeah, I don't want to die alone. And then he says, like, you know, also it's like a boost to my ego. He basically says, like, the dating apps he uses for efficiency purposes and also to boost his ego because he can just reject, 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 swipe, 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 reject, reject, reject anybody. And it's a victimless crime. Does he really hear himself? Like, how fucked up and weird is it for you to be a grown-ass man to be like, it makes me feel better to reject people? Ugh. Fuck him. Okay, so I think the last three couples really gave it to us in terms of, like, interesting storylines. So I'm gonna start with Miles and Karen. They're sitting on the couch and Karen's like, "Mm, can you rub my feet? And they discuss like, oh, you know, we're going to be talking to our friends and family about decision day. And Miles like, you know, like I'm kind of excited, but I'm also kind of like, oh shit. They agree to talk about some things so that they can have like the most peace of mind going into decision day. And know that they did the best they could. So Miles says, well, you know, like, you know, like, I just kind of want to have fun. Like, let's enjoy our last week together because this could be our last week. And she's like, well, could be. And he's like, maybe not, but also it's absolutely going to be. Like, Miles keeps dropping hints that he is out of this relationship that he does not want to continue and it does not seem to me and you know Karen is clearly very guarded but she is not it doesn't appear to be that she's getting the message of him being checked out of this relationship she doesn't seem concerned She, I think, thinks that they're on the same page and he's finished the book. He's just waiting for the chapter to close. And I think, ugh, ugh. I think she thinks that they are on very different uh, pages than they're on. So Miles has his friend over, who's very cute, by the way. And Miles says, you know, the beginning was tough really tough and I wanted to leave at some points and he brings up this point of how Karen was doing laundry and they were eating at the same time so the clothes she took the clothes out of the dryer so they have a couch and a single chair she took the clothes out of the dryer put the clothes on the chair and then rather than sitting next to him to eat she sat on the edge like the arm of the chair where she was clearly uncomfortable and ate while sitting on the arm of the chair rather than sitting next to him and he was like at that point I just felt like I wanted to give up and I get that like it has to feel like such a rejection I think a couple things are happening here. I think Miles has been saying 
for the past few episodes that he, that Karen does not initiate any sort of physical interaction. She will comply, but she never initiates. She will respond in turn to him doing it, but that's about it. And I would imagine that situations like that with the laundry probably happened a few times to where he just feels outright rejection. Like, you don't even want to be around me physically. You don't even want to be in the space where to create a condition or an environment in which that even has the possibility of happening. And I mean, that has to be tough. Like, I'm sure there were several times where like, I've been trying to give not, not him credit, but say that like, I think if she just gave him a little bit and like Woody said, like if you had just told me that we're along the path of getting to where I would like to be physically, if you just tell me that I'm doing the right things, I think if she just initiated a handhold, put your hand, put your head on a shoulder you know, while you guys are watching TV, or even if you guys are both sitting there on your phone, put your legs up on his lap, you know, like something that makes you, that creates an environment of intimacy. I think he would have been like, and honestly, like, I think if she had just said, I am not comfortable of having, with having sex with you at this moment, I would like to see where we can go after the cameras are gone, after, you know, let's live real life and see how it goes there. I am attracted to you, but as far as the experiment goes, I'm not going to have sex with you, but I would like to see where our relationship goes after this. I think he probably would have been more receptive to that. Honestly, like, I think he probably would have said yes at decision day. We don't, of course, don't know what he says, but everything that he's saying in this episode and the past couple episodes leads me to believe he is checked out and has no interest in, in continuing this situation. And I think he's having trouble articulating that, like, I think he's having trouble, or I'm having trouble articulating. He's having trouble articulating, like, I need that physical situation. I think, honestly, because of the calendar situation and how she reacted, I think he doesn't want to say anything that can sound even a little bit like he's trying to pressure her. And I think he's just keeping quiet at this point. But he's telling everybody else, like... I, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. So back to what Miles was saying to his friend, he says, you know, he was really bothered by her not taking initiative in terms of affection and he had to break it down for her. I would have liked to see that conversation because it doesn't seem like, I I don't know. I would like, I would like to have seen what he said and I would like to have seen her response to that. So then what happens is that he says, his friend says, 
well, you can say she's not trying. Can, or can you say she's not trying? And he says, I think she is. And I think she's doing all that she's capable of. Mm. Well, then his friend asks about like, well, what are the good things that you can say? And Miles is, you know, even though we don't love each other, we like each other. She be cooking <laughs> and she's chefing and her food is made with love and it's only gotten better since we have been together. Miles is, he's still unsure and it's not just about sex. Like it's more to it that's making him unsure, but it's also, they've been together for four months now and that's a while. Like, I don't know. I mean, we're grown. I think after you have had a few relationships under your belt, if you're past the age of 21 and you're living together, sharing a bed with each other, four months is a long time to not be doing anything sexual. Right? We all agree on that, right? Like, that's a while. Like, forget them even being married. That's a long time to be sharing a bed with somebody you're in a romantic relationship with and making the effort to be in a romantic relationship with and to not be doing anything. She's 30. He's 26. Anyway. Um, Miles says, you know... I don't know that Karen is fulfilling all of my needs and I might not be fulfilling all of hers, but I need to be selfish and focus on whether or not this is something he wants to do forever or even in the next six months or even in the immediate future being like, do I want to even see this past decision day? Do I want to give it another six months? Is this something I can do for the rest of my life? And I just wish that I could have timed out that situation and been like, Miles, it's not selfish of you. Like, he, you need to reframe it. Like, it seems like his relationships in the past have all been about what his partner needs and how he can provide that. And I just feel bad that he thinks it's selfish to think about what he needs. And honestly... I think even though this, I don't think this relationship is going to work out. I think this was probably the best thing for Miles in terms of like him being like, oh, it's not just about my partner and making them happy and me being happy from their happiness. It's actually about like, I do have needs and I do need those needs met. And I think what their idea of your partner meeting your needs is, is completely different. And we'll get into that in a second. Um, so yeah, Karen has a couple of her friends over and Karen says, you know, with everything going on, like with the pandemic and with, um, you know, the protesting and she's like miles being stressed out because of all of those things. Like, I was just wondering if I should be affectionate. And this is where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done with Karen. Karen, you're telling me that you've got a man in the situation that you're living with 
who's going through it and you don't know if you who's been telling you that he needs physical affection and you don't know that when he's going through a tough time it's not clicking with you other as to whether or not he wants you to show physical affection to him that doesn't make sense to me like i don't understand why she would why her mind would go that way i don't like i don't i don't <laughs> don't like that in if you see somebody going through it why would it not be your first instinct to try to comfort them in some kind of way for her to say like I didn't even I didn't know if this was a moment to be trying to introduce that when that's all he's been saying to you this whole time like you've never even tried So how can you say, it would be one thing if, like, you guys were having sex and then he had been, like, going through it emotionally and then you're like, ooh, I don't know, like, if this the time to, like, if he wants this or if he needs his space. But, like, you've never even tried to be physical (laughs) and intimate with him. So I don't know why you're now questioning if you should not you know what I mean like it just it mm, I don't like that I I that at that point I'm like I'm done with her I'm I'm done trying to give her grace and I just like we are just fundamentally two different people I don't know where her headspace is at I don't get it and I don't need to because the show's almost over (laughs) um so Karen then says, you know, like, being physical and affectionate is not really second nature to me. And I, she wonders if she's not giving enough. And her friend, Felicia, thank fuck. I don't, still don't think that Karen, this, like, I don't, clicked with her. But thank God she at least said it to her face. Felicia says, you know, like, if I'm into somebody, I want to meet their needs If they have, you know, whatever their love language is, I'm trying to fulfill that, even if it's not second nature to me. And I think that if you're not willing to do that, if you're hesitant at all, you're probably just not into him. And then Felicia says, you know, much like Miles says, I think Karen gives what she can, but it's not what Miles needs. Do I think that's enough for him? No, I don't. They, her friends think that Miles is a nice guy. They don't have a bad thing to say about him. And then the girls get into this conversation about masculinity. And this was another thing that lost me again. I could, okay. It's one thing if earlier in the season when you guys were at your um, honeymoon and he mentioned his struggles with mental health and depression And she's saying that comment about, I really need a masculine man in terms of like him going through depression, that she really needed a masculine man and like, it was kind of a turn off to her. Okay. If you're saying that that was taken out of context, fine. And if that, if you're saying that they pulled that, production pulled that quote from another conversation that you were having and they spliced it into that conversation, okay, fine. I will give you that. But now we're seeing you 
again say to your friends and she later says it again to Miles that she needs a masculine man to quote put her in her place and like I'm not trying to hear that I'm just like it's just not for me and I can even understand it's I can understand I can't it's not for me to be in a relationship with a man who, like, to have these, like, traditional role dynamics and he's the leader, blah, blah, blah. Like, that isn't for me, but, like, I'll hear you out and I understand where you're coming from. But this, like, I need a man to put me in my place and to tell me when I'm doing things wrong and blah, blah, blah. Like, no. No. No, and I think Miles has been telling her, this is what I need, and you don't want to do it, so you can't then say that he's not masculine enough for you, because he is doing the things that you're asking of him, and you just, you just don't like him, and that's fine, but like, don't make that his fault, because he's doing all he can. Just because he's not masculine in the way that you have this like, very specific world view of masculinity and I still like I'm still not really making sense of what it is that she wants other than not Miles I'm just over her I really am so they have dinner at their apartment and Karen says you know this time taught me what was important in a relationship what I need I need somebody to laugh with someone to communicate with and someone who gives me masculine energy that I want To submit to. And Miles is like, okay, see, the submission part is a thing that I'm still very unclear about. Like, we've seen them having fun and we've seen them communicating. That's not the problem. The submission thing is the thing that I'm still not understanding. And she's like, well, it just means to be like a leader in terms of our goals. And, you know, with all the racial injustice thing stuff that's happening, like I I would need a man to step in and tell her what to do and put me in my place, like respectively, respectfully. And this is where I'm like, again, very confused because we saw him at the retreat speak to everybody very eloquently about as in a very leadership role of like y'all this is what I'm feeling this is where I'm at I didn't want to be here but I showed up and so if maybe I'm not giving my 100% or if you feel like I'm a little bit standoffish I'm telling you why this is happening and so what more he took a leadership masculine role in saying this is where I'm at y'all need to meet me where I'm at and this is why what more does she need like I thought that was kind of a slap in the face because it seems like he has been very eloquent in terms of racial injustice and you're saying like especially like if I'm going to be married to a black man then like I need him to tell me what to do and be the leader blah 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 what what I'm like I okay maybe there's a chance that I did not interpret what she was saying correctly but I just thought like there is a shining example of him doing what you're claiming you need 
So what's not clicking, Karen? What's not clicking? So Miles says, you know, I am capable of giving you that, but I need to have my needs met too. And I need somebody who's proud of me and who looks at me and wants to be with me and is proud to be with me and thinks that I'm a prize and I want to have, I want to be home and have that person kiss on me and love on me. And if I can't be myself unapologetically at home, then I can't give of myself fully. So basically... You're not giving me what I want. So I'm, it's what you're asking for all this masculine energy. I can do it, but I need to have my needs met and you're not meeting my needs. And again, I don't think she was clicking. I would just, I need somebody to ask her, do you think genuinely? And no, I don't think, I have not seen anybody ask her this. Do you think that you have given all you've got to this relationship. Do you think that you're meeting his needs emotionally? Because I think she just thinks like, oh, like he just wants physical touch and he just wants to get laid and have sex with me. And like, I'm just not there yet. So he should just be accepting of that. And it's like, no, what that deeper meaning is, is that you're not fulfilling the things that he needs in a relationship. And I think she thinks that like his need for, you know, to feel wanted is just like frivolous. I think she's not digging deep on like, I need somebody to initiate physical touch and intimacy because it makes me feel wanted and secure in the relationship. Not just like I'm trying to get my dick wet. You know, (laughs) I think she thinks that this is not that serious and it is. And I think because he's doing it to her and he's being loving and doting on her. That she it's she's not clicking with her. I'm over her. (laughs) I really am. So. Then he says, you know, like I can give you the space. I can allow space for our relationship to show you that. Like, even though I don't think you're you're letting me be unapologetically myself, I would be willing to give you the space if I thought you were capable of doing that. But I don't think you are. And again, like, nothing in her face was registering like, oh, okay. I get it now. (laughs) Like, I'm lost. I'm really lost. So, they go to bed and Miles asks, like, do you think that we've spoken about everything that we need to before we go into decision day? Do you think we're good? And Karen says, you know, I just want to, like, I'm just unsure about what we think about this collectively. First of all, I was like, um, ain't no collectively happening here. There is no Miles and Karen, but Miles goes with it and he's like, you know, I think collectively we need to consider the fact that this is not 
we have not pursued this relationship in a regular way. And then he also says, even all things considered, we have not gone about this in a regular way. Meaning, yes, I understand that we're doing a TV show, but even, Karen, within the context of this show, (laughs) this has not been a normal situation. And she's like, I just want to think about what's good for us together and individually. And Miles like, I care deeply for Karen, but at the end of the day, I need to look out for myself. And then I noticed that when the next day he left, or did she leave? She left and he stayed in the apartment. He hugged her, but he did not kiss her goodbye. And he patted her on the back (laughs) and he told her, take care of yourself. Karen, did you pick up on that? Because I did. Let's move on. Okay, let's go to minute. <laughs> wow, words. Bennett and Amelia. <laughs> so Amelia asks, they're in bed and he's, she's like, oh, are you excited about decision day? And Bennett's like, yeah, but I guess it could go either way. So Amelia's like, oh, well, maybe we'll just flip a coin about it and leave it up to fate. <clears throat> So Bennett's friends, um, his friends Robbie and Thaddeus come over (laughs) and Bennett says that he's nervous about decision day. I think it's worth mentioning before we get into like Bennett and Amelia having their friends come over that they are both wearing these like matching watermelon print short onesies. I don't know if it was like a two piece pajama set that they were wearing, but they were both wearing it. Honestly, it was pretty cute. Um, so Robbie and Thaddeus are over and then it's like, you know what? We've had a lot of fun and she makes me laugh really easily. Thaddeus is not having it. <laughs> he goes, how long have you guys known each other? And Bennett's like, oh, you know, like four months or so. And he's like, well, that's not that long. And you basically just be playing house with each other. Do you feel like you know her or are you just getting her representative? And Bennett's like, uh. <laughs> so Thaddeus goes on and is like, you know, you learn about how people are and who people are through the tough times, not when you're drinking margaritas on the beach with each other. And then it's like, I, I get what you're saying. This is a very weird experiment and They do kind of manufacture these happy romantic times and maybe that's not very authentic, but he's like, you know, he brings up moving to Virginia. Robbie and Thaddeus are not having it. I don't know what kind of hold Bennett has on over his friends, but we saw it with that chick that he met by the fountain who was like livid at the idea of him moving out of New Orleans. Robbie and Thaddeus also not having it. I've never seen people have such a strong reaction to somebody moving. Like, upset? Absolutely. Disappointed? Sure. They seem mad. (laughs) All three of them seem really mad at the fact that he would even consider moving and now that, like, he definitely is moving. And that is, is like, so what are you going to do in Virginia? You don't have anything going on there. You're basically just going to be like a dog waiting to go for a walk, just sitting at the apartment waiting for Amelia to come home. 
Thaddeus, what have you gone through? Have you, are you through going through a breakup or a divorce right now? Like, what's happening here? And Bennett says, you know, it's not really going to be like that. I've spoken to Amelia, and she is totally fine with me being in New Orleans for four or five months at a time out of the year, and they're not having it. Thaddeus is not having it. Thaddeus thinks that they are still in full honeymoon mode and that Bennett has only seen one side of Amelia. Not into it. Not into it. Bennett must be the best friend in the entire planet. He must, like, really be the glue. He must be the number one guy in the group. That's what I'm picking up. Because they are not happy with the idea of him leaving. So Amelia gets a, she has a couple friends over, but she gets a tarot card reading over Skype from a witch (laughs) while her friends sit and watch on the couch. So the first card she pulls is the King of Cups. And she says, you know, your partner's really good at communication. And I think honestly that he's a keeper. So then Amelia asks, like, what do you think about after quarantine, how our relationship is going to work? And the witch pulls a King of Swords card and says, you know, you can take a deep breath. You can calm down. Bennett is not going to change into some monster after the fact. You're fine. And then she says, you know, what I'm picking up is that you guys really aren't that bad of a match. And you honestly looked out with each other. So then she has her friends come over to the computer And Amelia wants to know, like, do you see anything in terms of rough waters ahead? Any sort of discord? And the card she pulls is the magician card. She says, it's not necessarily bad. It's basically just telling you to pull, to make your decisions out of the facts of the relationship and not out of any, like, fear and anxiety you might be having. Um, so then she pulls the nine of swords and says, like, basically you need to not overthink the situation. And if you do, and then the connection drops. (laughs) So she and her friends that are are there sit down on the couch and her friend's like, well, how are you feeling? And Amelia tells a story about how she had this dream the other day about they were having a party at the apartment And Bennett kept growing and growing and getting taller and taller and bigger until he turned into a cucumber. And then everybody at the party was like, oh, let's make, let's slice this cucumber up and we can make sandwiches. She said, not until I went to take a bite out of the sandwich did Bennett whisper like, it's me. I'm the cucumber. (laughs) And basically she's saying that she's having an anxiety dream about the whole situation. Her friends love Bennett and they wish the best for them. That basically is it. Like they're really supportive, not like Thaddeus and Robbie. So Bennett and Amelia have their last pizza dinner with each other and they have (laughs) balloons, A and B balloons, which Bennett says is actually his blood type. (laughs) There are flowers everywhere Bennett has gifted Amelia with this gigantic crown. 
with an orange on top. And she's like, tell me more about this crown that I'm wearing. And he was like, well, I made the crown for a play that was about an apple juice king and an orange juice king and a bagel king. And the apple juice king actually won. So just goes to show. And Amelia's like, just goes to show what? He's like, I don't know. Just, just goes to show. (laughs) So Bennett then says, you know, I think D-Day will be a memorable day. She's like, what do you mean? He's like, what do you mean? What do I mean? She's like, what do you mean? What do I mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? What I mean? What do you mean? What do you, you know, whatever. I can't even do it. It goes back and forth for longer than it should have, but it was still cute. Um, so then Amelia asks, like, how have the last few months been for you? She's like, you know what? Honestly, getting married wasn't the number one driving force for me. I kind of just wanted to be on a show, like a reality show. And then it's like, what? (laughs) So he's like, I just am now, he's telling production, like, now that she kind of hit me with this, I'm a little bit concerned about what our relationship is going to look like after the cameras leave. Amelia is not picking up on the fact that he is uncomfortable with what she just said and that maybe she should try to clean it up a bit to make it seem like, no, I actually do like you. Cause she goes on to say, um, he asked her about it. He's like, you didn't think you just wanted to be on the show. She's like, well, honestly, like I didn't even think that they would pick me for the show. And then when I did get matched up, she's like, I figured I kind of just like, everybody and even if they match me up with like a snowman I figured we'd probably get along I'd probably like them regardless selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage Shopify is there to help you grow Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com/work. shopify.com/work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This man told her he loved her. And he meant it. So now imagine how it feels being like, well, I just wanted to be on a show and I just figured... Whatever happens, happens, and I'll probably just like it because I like everything. Basically, this means absolutely nothing to me, Bennett. Ha ha. (laughs) Yikes, y'all. Ooh, that is a hard pill to swallow at the last minute, dog. 
I feel so bad for Bennett because this is like clearly very upsetting news to him. Real bad. So they go to bed and Bennett is like, you know, I fell in love with her and now I'm not sure. (laughs) Not like I'm not sure how I feel. Like I'm not sure if this, I just fell in love with some bullshit and this is just like a fake relationship and she's just pretending to like me, but like, I'm actually in love with this woman. Damn. (laughs) That really sucks. Amelia keeps making it worse by saying, you know, you know, like I'm sad that it's over and I'm going to be sad about not having the cameras around me. Like I'm a film star and she's in bed with him. She's like, I'm pretty sure that we'll have the same answer. And like, Ooh, that's just real, real rough. I, um, tweeted while the show was on and I asked if people felt after Amelia's revelation, do they think that Bennett should still try and stay in this relationship? It was 60% yes, 40% no. Ooh. I shout out to princess of buy pumpkin podcast. She posted that she um, took a quiz about uh, relationship attachment styles. I, much like Princess, am a fearful avoidant. (laughs) Something that apparently is kind of rare, only affects about 7%. So my initial reaction was, damn, this sounds like you don't really like me at all. So maybe I should just say no and get out of this. My, my... Ooh, (laughs) it would be really hard because if she says yes, it's like, how do you stop yourself from thinking she just wants to say yes to seem like this good person and like it worked and like everything was good. And like, what if she's angling for a spinoff? What if she's angling for like that married at first sight spinoff, like couples cam? Shout out to you, Bennett, because that would have, like, fucked up my whole world (laughs) hearing something like that. Like, that is maybe the worst possible thing that you could say. Damn. Damn. That sucks. That really sucks to hear. Let me know if you guys thought that was as big a deal. If you would be as concerned as I would have been. I really would have felt some type of way about that, but... Let's move on and finish off with Henry and Christina. Y'all, what happened? (laughs) What? This, there were points in their scenes where I was just like, what am I even watching? Where are we? Where am I? Henry naturally is still very upset about this gay text situation he said that they still haven't even talked about it so she blew up his whole life blew up his phone and was like you're having an affair with my friend you're a homosexual couldn't provide receipts and they've had no conversation about it since they're now sleeping in separate bedrooms henry's in the second bedroom in a twin bed and i wonder if they had to move that in? Like, did production have to move that in? 
I don't remember seeing the spare bedrooms in other people's apartments, so I don't know. But I felt like, Christina, you're the one who's the liar, and the liar should get the twin bed. And Henry should be starfishing and knowing that he's a good person with good morals and honesty. So Christina talks to her old man friend, Andrew. Why is her good friend so old? <laughs> I I need to know, like, what happened to those girls who were in her wedding party, to her bridesmaids? Because the only people that we've seen really are, like, Chris, her friend, and the friend that who was, like, accosting Henry when they had their um, home war- housewarming, housewarming party. <laughs> and was asking Henry, like, why haven't you guys fucked? And this old couple. So, old Andrew is back. And Christina's like, you know, me and Henry are really just in this, like, friend zone vibe. And there really just doesn't seem to be any interest in moving forward, like, on Henry's end. Especially physically. And Andrew's like, well, you've really given 100% to this relationship. She's like, you know what? I have. I have, but some might think otherwise. I'm like, okay, well, at least you're not so delusional that you think that everybody just thinks that you've actually tried. Like, you know, in the back of your head that you're a lion scheming bitch, right? You know that. You know that. So, yeah, like some might think otherwise might be in terms of like, yeah, some people if you're going to count it in terms of the total population, might be under the impression that you have given your all. But I have to say that I would think about 100% of the people who are watching the show, have watched this season, think that you're a fucking weirdo. Real, real, real weird. So then Christina goes on to say, you know what, I'm actually a little bit surprised that I've even stayed in this relationship. And... (laughs) The Henry told me that he didn't like me, which, when did that happen? When did he flat out say, I don't like you? He hasn't even said it to us. I mean, he means it, but I don't think that he has ever straight up told Christina, I don't like you. She's like, well, you know, he really said that he was like, I was kind of reading between the lines of him saying that. And he was saying it in a real politician way. Now that might be true. That might be true. And then she goes on to say, you know what? I, it's not that I'm unlovable. Like I've been loved by many people and I'm not dumb and I'm not ugly. And Andrew kind of rolls his eyes and shrugs like, girl, I don't know. (laughs) So Andrew asks, you know, is there anything that Henry could do to turn this around? And she's like, you know, he's really talented Like, he's really good at playing guitar. Like, he's shy at playing it, but he's really, really good, and he's never had a lesson. And, like, he's really funny. He's got this dry humor, which, like, you know I love. And I just need him to put in the effort. Uh, Okay. Okay, Christina. Okay. Okay. So Kristen, who has not been seeing it for Christina or this whole show, 
the entire time she comes over to the apartment to talk to Henry and Henry's like, this has been a struggle the whole time. And the pandemic has just made a crazy situation even crazier. (laughs) And he goes on to say, you know, there's a lack of honesty and a communication that's happening with us. And it's been weird. It's been weird. Kristen points out, you guys have had more time to be together than other seasons of the show. And you need to take that into consideration. Like, basically, what what you're seeing is what you need to take into account. Get out. <laughs> Get out. So then Henry tells production that he doesn't want to tell. He really drops this bomb. He says, I don't want to tell Kristen about the text, but Christina did threaten to release these texts and to hold it over my head unless I had her back for the rest of the experiment. And he's like, that's despicable. And it is. But my question is like, why just like, what are you... He basically says, like, whether the text exists or not, the fact that she's trying to hold this over my head is despicable. So to me, it's like, if you're not interested in continuing this relationship, which you're clearly not, why are you letting her, letting her hold it over your head? Why are you not telling Kristen? Just tell her. That's what I'm really confused about, like... Whether or not the texts actually happen or not, you should know that it's not true. Why would you not tell your best friend, Kristen, she pulled some bullshit and said that I was in a gay relationship with somebody? I just don't know. I don't see why he would be interested in protecting her other than to keep the peace. But he didn't say that that's why. And it's not like I believe what she did at all, but I just don't understand why he would comply with her demands of that. I don't understand it at all. There must be something more that we don't know, and I hope we find out, because it just, like, I don't understand why he would be invested in protecting her at all. Especially when she did something so fucked up and weird because she was mad at him for not wanting her. I I, just, I don't get it. That was the only thing I really had questions about. Um, so then production interviews Kristen and they're like, do you think that Christina lies? And she says, yeah. Says, so you don't think she's been honest? She's like, no, I don't think Christina has been honest. And I don't think that Henry should be in this marriage. Henry tells her, you know, it's not always how you fart, fart, how you start something, but how you finish it. So I guess we'll see. So I'm just really confused. Like, I don't think he's invested in trying at all. I just don't get it. Anyway, they go to dinner, this like really cute place. It's got like Christmas lights. It's got this long hallway, this like very Instagrammable romantic lighting hanging from this hallway that you walk to before you get into the restaurant and the place looked really nice the food looked really you know interesting and high-end and Henry's like this is the sort of thing that I thought we were going to be doing the whole time 
like having these nice dinners, having these romantic moments, getting to know each other, this sort of thing. Um, Henry says, you know, I did this show, even though this is totally not something that I would do and who I would be. I did the show because I just didn't want to have any regrets. So Christina says to him, like, (laughs) they're sitting down at dinner and she says, you know, even though it's been rocky, I've been proud of both of us for sticking us, sticking this whole thing out. And I've given up a lot because it might be uncomfortable. Words? Those are just words that she's saying. (laughs) Those are words that she's just saying one after the other. They don't make any fucking sense. Then she goes on to say, she's like, you know, I'm kind of used to somebody putting me in my place and that's disgusting, but it's hard for me. So what she's trying to say is like, basically I'm used to wilding the fuck out, somebody calling me out for it and just like doing whatever the, whatever the hell I want to do until somebody's finally had enough and goes off on me. And even though I know that that's like a disgusting cycle to have, I just can't help myself. And it's hard for me. (sighs) Girl. (laughs) That's concerning. That is very concerning that you intentionally push boundaries, lie to people, act a coconut, and then... You just continue to do that? So then (laughs) she says, you know, I know I'm wrong for saying some of the things that I said to you and I'm hoping you're picking up on that. Like, I hope you're picking up on the fact that I feel regret. Well, no, I won't even say that she says she feels great. I hope you're picking up on the fact that I know that I did something wrong. So it's almost like she's inviting a conflict and a confrontation from him. It, this is very strange. This, the whole thing was like, there is a planet called delusion and Christina is its sole occupant. Like what is happening? <laughs> what was I watching? What were any of us watching y'all? What was that? Then she goes, so Talk about some things about me that you like. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So Henry's like, um, you're spontaneous. And I think you're a good writer. That letter that you wrote to yourself when we were at the couples retreat was really good. Being like, (laughs) I feel like he didn't pick up on the, she didn't pick up on the fact that he was being totally shady and being like, yeah, that was a fucking weird creative writing experiment that you did. Um, you're a really good writer for thinking that any of that was true. Y'all, why did Christina start crying? <laughs> why did she start crying, y'all? Oh my, like actual tears. Like at first I thought she was just going to scrunch up her face and act like a real housewife. And there was going to be not one single tear. There were tears. There were real tears. She's like, thank you so much for doing this. And 
this dinner has really shown a different side of you. And now I'm taking things more seriously. <laughs> Weird and uncomfortable. <laughs> what the fuck, y'all? What the fuck? Henry, thank God. It was like, I had to hold back from laughing that entire time. And we're living in two different realities. And I don't know how two people can see things so differently. (laughs) I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. Like, I don't know what I was looking at. Whew. Okay. So they get back to the apartment. Christina's still very much in her own world. And she's like, you know what? The dinner catapulted me in a different direction. And, like, maybe we just need some time and some counseling. Baby, is he okay? (sighs) Henry's like, yeah. Okay. (laughs) So the next morning, he's like, I've got all my stuff packed up. I am ready. I gotta go to work, Christina. He's knocking on the bedroom door like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go to work. So I guess this will be the last time I see you. Um... He says to production, like, I'm just ready to get this over. But I'm looking forward to see what she has to say to me. (laughs) I really am. (laughs) Oh, my God. What a, what a, wow. What a, what a, we'll just say that. Um, I'm very much looking forward to decision day. It seems like Christina gets real cagey when uh, Henry outs the fact that she tried to hold this thing over the secret over his head. I'm excited. I'm wondering if Bennett actually confronts, uh, Amelia on what she said about just wanting to be a show, be on the show. I'm interested. All right, y'all. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking.